the Convention Collective Sandbox at Portsmouth Comic Con 2019. Everyone, welcome. Um, this is um, our chat with uh, Kieran Gillen. So, big hands for for Kieran. Sorry, this this seat's made me feel like Darth Vader. Well, I'm yeah. in this kind of like you know grovel to be mortals sort of. Well, exactly. Have you got your special glove? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> it's a little early for that. Perhaps. Yes. Um, so, I guess we're going to talk about. Well, we, we are going to jump around a little bit. I, I want to talk about Wick Dev, obviously, because it's the end of of the series, and you know, how does it feel? I mean, obviously it's been an incredibly well-received series, but I mean, how does it feel as a creator to come to the end of a project like that? Um, it's like, oh, we can sleep again. There's a, there is a lot of that kind of like, oh, right, it's over. And there's a, there's a series of letting goes, is the best way of putting it. Um, like, as I approach the end, in fact, I'm still actually writing the last issue at the moment. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I, I deliberately wanted to leave the last issue as long as possible. Yeah. But it's like, last solicit for last... You know, the, the word last just starts appearing. And it obviously is the last time I'm doing this. And then as you're kind of like, the last arc is like 120 pages long, like all our arcs. And then it's like, oh, I've got 80 pages left. Or 60 pages left. Then fourth, and then I, oh, I've got 20 pages left. And those kind of stuff, that gets to beneath you. So it's like, I was a bit worried about it, it was hard to let go. But the process of doing something is about letting go. I mean, Wicked is a book is about, about many things. It's certainly grief among them. And the idea that um, the process of actually learning to say goodbye is at least part of the process of doing Wicked. Yes. So, I mean, have you achieved everything that you set out to do, the pair of you, with the book? I mean, just for the book itself, when you had your, you know, when you first put it together, have you done everything in terms of what you wanted to do with the book? It's funny, like the, um, the Bell and Sebastian lyric, uh, I keep wanting the quote because my, my tongue is firmly in the cheek. Yeah, course, line, if, always. She, if she wants me, is the, if I could do one near perfect thing, I'll be happy. And it's like, we've worked it, oh, we did a near perfect thing, and I'm not happy. <laughs> but like, we did a lot of what we wanted, as in, like, it's certainly not perfect. Um, and there are things in the awful calculus of doing a long form series that are hard. Yeah. But at the same time, like Wicked as, as a structural piece, and the people have actually followed it in terms of, oh, right, now it, the arguments it's put forward and betrayed. And we've reached the point where the last issue that just came out is basically the, the last major, what everything you knew is wrong. Yes. Of it. Yes. Um, and so when people have gone, oh, right, now I can, they're going back and re reading the first issue for like the fifth time and still seeing stuff that we put there ex ago. I mean, our aim is kind of like, you know this, my, my big influence is Watchmen. But my, as opposed to the, what I took from Watchmen, as opposed to the, um, you know, the deconstructionary superhero nonsense. Uh, nonsense, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Was the, you know, the idea here is this clockwork machine. Yes. And, you know, Wicked is kind of trying to do a Watchmen-type structure over 50 issues. Was the idea. And it's messier than Watchmen in dozens of ways, not least because Alan's Alan and I'm me. Um, but it is kind of there, mm. in that kind of like, oh, right, it was fancy, we did it. And, you know... It feels enormous. It's nearly killed Jamie. That's the big thing. It's like, thank God it's ending. Yes. Um, and it's hard. I mean, no one ever... It's not really hard. I've, I've worked building sites. It's not hard, hard. But mentally, it's quite yeah. challenging. But there was definitely a point around halfway through Imperial phase, which was the fifth and sixth trades. Yes. I just wanted it done. Really? Like, why, why, why are we still doing this book? And there's a thing, like, almost everybody who does the big, long... Mm. The big, long comic runs, they don't do another one immediately. No. Like, quite often, like... Work for hire, yeah, but create your own stuff. Like, yes. you know, um, I mean, 
Neil never, Neil never did another one. No, that's you true. know, like yes. uh, Warren finished Transmet, then spent five years doing like short comics. But yes. you know, um, Garth took quite a long time before doing the boys. Yes, I mean Brian okay, Vaughan, he immediately left the industry for a while before coming back with Saga. Like once you've done it, yes. it's a thing. Yes. Uh, but like, it certainly takes something out of you. Yes. Um, and that's at least one reason when we die, I'm, I'm, die is a shorter run. Yes. And a lot of the stuff I'm doing is deliberately like six issue, single statement things. Yes. The idea of me ever having 40 more issues to write scares the hell out of me right now. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am now. Okay. But like happy, like dude, I did nine trades, that's insane, you know. I was going to ask about the you know, relationship with Jamie, obviously, your kind of sort of marriage, your sort of weird, your creative marriage. My comics wife. Many yeah. years. I mean, has it ad- adapted and evolved over the years? How, how has it changed? Does it become too comfortable sometimes? Or is it, is, it, is it good because it's comfortable? It's never comfortable. Is it never comfortable? Uh, he is, like, I don't know. It's a, you, I speak to a lot of people about this quite a lot. And you yes. quite often in comics, you, somebody breaks in with an artist. Yes. Or like a, a, some people come in as a team and we do their first work together. And yes. then the industry tends to pull them apart. Yes. Uh, and there's rarely you get people like, the other way around, like Sean, uh, Sean and Ed, who, of course, they were brought together by the industry and they managed to stay together. Yes. Me and Jamie are quite unusual in that, oh, no, we came in together and our, our precise trajectories meant neither of us were successful enough to escape the other one. <laughs> like, Jamie was always slightly too left of centre to be, like, a mainstream Marvel artist. Yes. And I was never kind of like, um, you know, and I wasn't that writer at Marvel. No. Uh, so, like, um, we, our kind of aesthetics always came quite close together. So by spending, like, 15 years in the trenches together, like, more than more than 15 years now the um you just learn each other yeah and that's interesting and like there's an enormous amount of trust and you know i'll use the word love there even like he's um obviously jamie's got hypermobility problem now which is um of course I heard, it, and it's getting worse and worse as it progresses so like we're trying to just get to the end of wicked so he can recuperate um so but the actual the family of it all is really very real yes. uh, and it's kind of like weird and upsetting that i won't be working with jamie mm. in the near future in like a comic um but it's also like for god's sake <laughs> I mean, that, that's the funniest thing, because ever since I've been working with him, I've been saying, Jamie, you need to write and draw your own comics. Yes. All the t- write and draw your own comics, Jamie, whilst passing in the next script. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm angel and devil. And that originally, Wick did was designed so he could have every second arc off. It was going to be first arc him, yes. second arc someone else. Yes. We were like thinking like, uh, Jock and um, Jock on the Losers, as in okay. Jock was the main artist, but yes. then every second arc was someone else. Um, that's what we planned. Mm. Uh, but then Jamie decided... He, he wants to do pop, all of it. Yeah, it, he, he had a point like, after... Uh, after we did the one arc which was mm. somebody else commercial suicide he was like no I kind of want to do it all now but like, otherwise he would have done like a series of minis or maybe works with another writer yes um, I mean I've, I've yeah I must say, I'm much more comfortable with like, I, I presume Jamie likes my stuff that was definitely for long periods of time you I'm, weren't sure yeah I'm insecure enough to think oh maybe Jamie just hates is weirdly stuck with me and there was a, there was a literal moment when I was like almost burst into <laughs> tears when I was oh Jamie actually likes me <laughs> uh, so yeah writers insecure so I was gonna I, I guess what we I do want to move on to Die, obviously. I mean, obviously, Die is a very different series. So, I mean, working with Stephanie is obviously a very different beast to working with, with Jamie. I mean, well, I guess we'll talk about the genesis of the series. Mm. So, so let's talk about, you know, how it got started. You know, what was the initial seed for you creatively? Well, there's kind of, there's kind of like two starts of it. One half of it is um, just me and Stephanie wanted to do a book together. Yes. Like, uh, she did all the covers of the Journey to Mystery. Journey to Mystery, I think, is probably the best thing I did for Marvel overall. Um, and the covers were like the one coherent aesthetic element because we yes. had artists on different every arc. I mean, Doug defined the look of the book, defined mm. the, the book early on, but Stephanie was a person who kind of kept the aesthetics of these slightly romantic, slightly quirky covers. And it was only in the last issue of that I realised, oh wait, 
the, uh, my, uh, my editor, Lauren, yes. we were talking about who could do the last issue, and she suggested Stephanie. Yes. And I had no idea that Stephanie did internals as well. Um, so we did that issue. And it was like one of the, you know, it's an issue which people still talk about in terms of Marvel work. And yes. In fact, it was just like, it was in the top 30, I think, of the best 100 issues of all time wow. in a recent poll. Like, but, you know, they're clearly wrong. But like, but it, still, it's, it's still flattering. It's still it, flattering. You know, it was very flattering to be yes, in. I think it was maybe 31, something like that. Yes. Uh, so like, this works so well. We always go, okay, we'll do a book. That idea, oh, we'll do a book together. Especially with Stephanie. I mean, she's done bits and pieces. She's done single issues yes. or like sh- very short runs, but she's never actually done an ongoing. No. Um, so for a few years, we were talking about that and mm. I was trying to find the right project. There was actually something, there was two other things I was working on before then. So that we're always going to do a fantasy book because I always kind of knew that we needed a Stephanie Hans fantasy universe. Yeah. Um, and then there was specifically just me and Jamie and um, Ray Fawkes bumming around in San Diego like two years ago, over two years ago now. Uh, and just joking about whatever did happen to those kids in the 1980s D&D cartoon and just, you know, just riffing like idiots. Yeah. But it kind of stuck beneath my skin. Like, and the idea, you know, the idea of very basically having these 40-something-year-olds dragged back to their teenage fantasy game yeah. and using it as a device to talk about how all their lives have changed mm. struck me as a kind of like, um, there's something really powerful there. And I kind of like, oh no, that's interesting. I mean, you know, Return to Narnia is a, a, a well-worn narrative mm. structure. But like, kind of, oh no, there's something specifically interesting about that. And it got to me because it was, uh, and it was like that evening I was like having a big meal with Eric Stevenson and a load of the image creators. And it just got me halfway through in this moment of like, and I just burst into tears because I kind of realised what, what the reason was. And, part, and it was very much, oh, wait a sec, because um, the story is, you know, one of the characters, spoilers for Die, like one of the people who went to Die and, you know, didn't come back. Mm. And essentially, you know, it was part of you, sorry, Kieran, was part of you trapped in a fancy year, has been trapped in a fancy universe for like, since you were 16. How has actually being into like fantasy and um, all the stuff we're in this building to celebrate stunted me emotionally? You know, and yes. that kind of like having asking yourself a really hard question is hey, I, that drives so much of my work. Yes. But like that kind of like the you know it's the it's the classic um, Simpsons gif I've wasted my life. Yes, that and so an, a discussion about that seemed interesting, and especially because it bugs me like how much geek culture is, for want of a better word, pandering but nonsense. Um, so the idea of like actually. The, f- the thing about that, you know, we're literally going to be the biggest movie of all time. You know, yes. we, we are, n- the idea yes. of some kind of geek persecution complex does not cut it anymore. You know, and I think there was so much stuff, especially in the 80s and the early 90s. Mm. And like my career as a games journalist was like defending games. Yes. And we don't need to do that anymore. Because they're what, huge, because they've yeah, won, basically. Games have won, and comics have won, basically, as well. Yeah. And the point being there is, once you've actually won, you don't need to be as defensive anymore. You can no. actually start discussing stuff in like grown-ups. Yes. That's kind of what I'm into with Die. Like the idea of like we can unpack all this stuff without, you know, obviously I love it. Of course. <laughs> but like this is all about being a mature human being who can see. People often say like even with phonogrammers, this is really anti-music. Yeah. Or like Wiktiv is quite, are you anti or pro these people? Mm. And it's not the point being I'm trying to do this complicated portrait of how it quote unquote is. And Die's kind of like that, I guess. Yes. And the thing is, Die could have been a much smaller, like more character dread, like really like personal intimate mm. kind of thing. And of course being me, I just messed that up. And um, threw everything in. Yes. Like, like kind of, you know, Dyer's ended up being about literally everything uh, again. Um, but, you know, people seem to buy it, which is yes. nice. I was genuinely hoping I would get over my nonsense. Like, my, my, my one, particular obsessions. Yeah, my, my main, one, the thing about Dyer, actually, slightly different obsessions, which is nice. Yes. But the, as a writer, my, I think my, one of my biggest flaws, which is many, um, is that my tendency is to be a bit too much. Like, I, I kind of not... 
I don't necessarily edit well. I mean, yes. I was thinking about, I was looking at like when I was working with Jason, uh, yes. we were running these dual X-Men books. Yes. Um, and Jason was, you know, he, he was really good at naming down why this villain is interesting. And it's something you can explain in like half a page. And I don't mean that's a, this is a direct, clear storytelling. Whilst I have to have like, 20 my, pages no, literally, my, my, set, my first reissue arc on Uncanny X-Men when we did the relaunch, the second issue is basically explaining the character. Yes. And like the fact that, you know, any one of these ideas for Sinister would have been enough. I didn't know to do all of them. And there's that all the running, which is kind of, it's the weakness, and it's the reason why I'll never be enormously successful. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I'm, a, I'm much bigger than I thought I ever would be. Yes. But like, there's the reason why I will never be Brian K. Vaughan, is I don't edit. You know? I mean, you throw everything at the wall, yeah. basically. Which is, I tell you, I stress, this, I'm not, this sound, you talk like that and it sounds like you're dissing people, and you're not, they're the smarter than I am. Yes. You know, that makes them better writers and makes me, like, messy. Anyway. So does Die come from years of working in gaming, basically, from the, that part of your brain that you were writing about games and that you were thinking about them, so this is like a direct reaction against, not against, but a reaction to, to working as a games journalist in your previous I, life. I used to say that phonogram was what I did instead of becoming a music journalist. Mm. As in, I, I, was, I, I did bits of music journalism, but I um, kind of... But it was never really something I got to purge. Mm. So I tried, like, phonogram was kind of like a, this pustule that grew in my body. And, and you know, the lanced it and the pus was phonogram. And, like, die is kind of the same thing. I, I think die is very much the sister book to phonogram in that it's quite intimate. Yes. It's quite personal. And it's born of, like... I mean, like, I, I haven't written about games properly for, like, nine years, eight, yes. nine years. And but so it's in other words, your system, though. That's what I mean. As in, like, yes. it's been in my system and I have not expressed it. Yes. So, in other words, it's actually become something else and it's metamorphosed eyes mm. there's the oh, there's the word I can't say metamorphosed thank you very much Joel uh, yeah changed yes into uh, something else you know what I mean and that's kind yes. of what you do you get, yes. get this kind of like distilled weirdness and like I was aware that issue three of Die is something I was trying to do all the way since issue four of Phonogram yes. and the idea of the critical essay in the form of warped genre fiction yes. like issue three is my like an expansion of Tolkien and talking about it on various different angles and I mean trying to find a way to make people like that forever and yes. mainly failing because they're, they're the stuff that people always hate uh, and like three was the you first mean the meta or the meta story no no e even more like the, more the, 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 the meta. meta on top of meta and yes. it's like it's just a bit too much and it's me um, and I think issue three was the first time I actually pulled it off as mm. it reviewed very well um, so yeah it's good yeah, part of me is just I don't know I think there is that, you know what I mean? As yes. In that, that's, yes, yeah. absolutely, 100% comes to me as a games journalist. Yes. And like, even more so, but as well as my ideas as a games writer and somebody who's lived in game culture and somebody who's lived in culture per se, um, it's also a thing born of research. Like, you know, I've done the typical, I've really dug into like, like I knew a lot and I know a lot more now, yes. I guess. That, which is fun because, you know, I'm, um, there's a fundamental journalist part of me. So that, you're still there, of the curiosity, the innate curiosity, and if you're going to write something, you have to put the time in to make sure that what you write sounds kind of at least credible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tarot, I mean, like, I said the insecurity is the thing that I read that into, because I know something like, I definitely do more research than you need, um, but I definitely put the hours in. It's, yes. it's one of those things that... Um, I'm sorry, it's nice, you know, yes. like, as, as a writer, I like, like, you learn stuff, and you're like, oh my god, this is into it, and that, a lot and of my, you can use it, you can do yeah, a lot of my books are about powered by enthusiasm, mm. this kind of, like, oh my god, have you heard about this, holding up pictures of, you know, yes. whatever, and it is, it's like, you know, Dyer specifically has got this, the background to Dyer is, what is, you know, there's various, you know, there's stuff about the characters in the world and all that stuff, but the, the question eventually kind of comes to the surface, what the hell is this place? Yes. Why does this exist? And that yeah. kind of, like, that conspiracy kind of aspect to mm -hmm. it, being pieced together from 
everything I've learned about like role playing games historically speaking is interesting. You know, it's like I, I've said that you know the Brontes turn up in the next arc. You know, this is not something I think most people <laughs> would expect from an RPG comic. Yeah. Because they demanded it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't say no to the Brontes. No, of course not. Um, so, I mean, do you like world building? I mean, obviously, Wick Dev was hugely about world building, and Die has elements of that. Is it something that you enjoy as a writer, creating these worlds that you've created almost from whole cloth yourself? To say, you know, this is a new world that people haven't seen before. It will take elements from other people's creations, but it's your world. And Wick Dev, you know, was yours and Jamie's world as well. So, do you enjoy world building as a writer? Um. Sorry, world building is in. I am awkward. Is the best way of putting it. As in, like, there's a very much the fashionable take about where you know people go through cycles about writing advice, yes. and you know the stuff that becomes like a dogmatic thing, a status quo, ends up being deconstructed and taken into new form. At the moment, we're well into a all world building is bad kind of argument. Yes, uh, which is you know still. I still think it's a slightly kind of like... It's a bit um, of a simplistic uh, approach. Yeah, it's, it's still like... It's trying to kill your parents in that way. It's like it's still kind of people kind of saying rude words to Tolkien, which, you know, me too. You know, I'm very aware. I'm, I'm, I lean towards the more cocky and epic poo kind of take. Um, I like to think my world building alters depending upon the book I'm doing. I mean, it's okay. sort of like Phonogram. Yes. Is the world building is back to front, as in world, there's no firm world building in Phonogram that frustrates people. Mm. Phonogram is based around the idea that everyone's single, everyone's music, sorry, everyone's magic system in Phonogram is a individual, mm. b only explains stuff that music does. In other yes. words, if music has not cannot literally do this, it doesn't happen. So in other words, it's much more of a literary metaphor, metaphor yes. than a genre metaphor, despite it looking like genre fiction. Versus something like Uber, mm. and Uber basically runs on graphs. You know, yes. Uber is um, my that is. By f- that's like my war game system essentially because yes. uh, it's, it's a game that's about mat- uh, mat- um, you know m- you know material realism you mm-hmm. know the idea of these are fundamentally mechanical laws interacting so that's the kind of thing so there's definitely that kind of what is that world building for yes. which is like not quite saying world building for world building's sake yes. like I'm also quite lazy is the word I mean like I feel like I feel like I'm lazy I kind of know I'm not I mean you use certain things like sh- ways of shorthand to to yeah, tell, to put stuff across. You definitely don't need to do the D and D source book for like to, to, before you're writing it. That's distracting. But the idea of like what is an interesting world building structure. Mm. In case of Wicked explicitly, I have the central myth. Yes, I think a lot about like the, the symbol, the stories, what it's about. But Wicked is designed to also be flexible. You know, the idea that I know that I'm only going to do a tiny fraction of the ninety years recurrences. Mm. But at the same time, I. You know, here's a good point I did not know when actually all the years happened until near the end really it was like that issue we go all the way through time yes. that was I did, the, I did the whole spreadsheets at that point as I'd done the maths to make sure I could set them roughly where I needed to but in terms of specific years that so I do the mm. worldbuilding as required it's what but you know as in what you need it's not like improv structure in it mm. like the idea of okay at the beginning we'll have an opening it's like, not even improv structure. This is like a narrative structure. And I don't necessarily plot the whole thing of Wicked, mm-hmm. but like I know the end of the first arc. I know the end of the second arc. Yes. I know what the first and second arcs are about. But I, if you ask me what happened in issue eight, I probably couldn't have told you. Actually, I'm lying. I could have. It would have been the dance scene. But like, you know, I couldn't. Like the, I know this, you've got to basically have a structure that's strong enough to support itself, but also be free enough to allow the creator to express themselves. Yes. So that, that's kind of what the sort of building that Wicked had. As in, here's a really good central motif and like ideas, and we'll build on that. But something like Die, yes. as you correctly know, Die is a real world-building, world-building. Yes, yes. As in Die is a much more like, I'm doing simultaneously the phonogram world-building where you've got these entire realms which are poetic explanations of like Tolkien's inspirations in World War One. So you've got stuff like that. 
but you've, which is very much like you know, the literary metaphor side. And then you've got stuff which is like, is the, I've literally written the role-playing system. You know, I've written the... You've metaphor. created a system that you want to apply in the story. Yeah, all of it, like, they're... Comp- bits of it. it the, the system is more like an adaptation of die, but it, the kind of, there's bits of the die system that goes back into the, the comic as well. As it, and it's definitely, in my head now, become mm. this kind of single sigil to go all Grant Morrison you know it's kind of all this is die together it's your obsessed comic yes very much so in fact, actually I, I actually was in an obsessed recently. I can tell yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. specifically with die there's a quote which um, uh, Greg Stafford passed recently Greg Stafford being the guy who very famous RPG designer uh, he designed like Pendragon yes. and, and RuneQuest and stuff like this and there's a podcast I was listening to um, Ken and Robin t- talk about stuff and they describe you know Tolkien's Middle Earth is basically a fantasy world as designed by a linguist. You know, the yes. idea of the fantasy world is basically a... Me- um, it's a metaphor for... It's, no, it's emerges from... He was interested, like, in basically, he wanted to write languages. Yes. You need a world to inspire languages, because that's how things work. So that so much about Middle Earth is about linguists. He was... Um, and Greg was a comparative theologist, I think. Oh, okay. That was his background. I think that's right. Someone correct me. Um, so, like, but if you read, like... If you read RuneQuest, it's very much a world that's made by that. Mm. It's, it's a world that's basically about gods and yes. how people write gods and vice versa. And thinking about that kind of stuff made me realise what die is. Die is literally, it's a, it's a D20 floating in space with 20 kingdoms in, each kingdom in, in part of the things that go up RPGs. This is a game world made by a critic. This okay. is literally a piece of criticism. So like Elvis Costello, because you know they always say that Costello got on with the from, from music critics because he looked like a music critic. <laughs> yes, I love that. Line. You remember that? It's a great quote. <laughs> but like, it's been, this is literally like it's a big meta fantasy about fantasy, okay. uh, and it's but it's also heartfelt enough because you don't fall in love with it. It's that kind of like that's the thing I think that hopes it makes it more than just cold exercise, yes. as it comes absolutely from the heart. So that like Die is very much a fantasy world as made by critic, and rest. <laughs> So, I mean, in terms of research, do you ever have to stop yourself and go, yes. you know, I've spent six months reading about, you know, something, you know, that's relating to the sort of the stuff that you're working on, but you have to say to yourself, I've got to deliver the script next week. Yes. You know, I can't immerse myself any more in this because I know enough, you know, because otherwise, I guess if you put, if you do too much research, then the piece can become dead and it's just a, you know, it's an accurate piece, but it doesn't have that emotional core in the heart that the best fiction mm. does. I think, you know, I've probably... There's definitely, okay, like the Wickdiff specials, we did one of them but every six months or so. Yes. Uh, and each one was basically six months of research. And like there's definitely, I think, and the first draft of almost all the specials was deader than the last draft, as in a lot of the process was me cutting out words. Mm. As in like, you, the reader does not need to know me knowing specific wines which Romans drank. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. every, every word that people don't understand. Extra colour, which is fun, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily... But also, it's, not, it's confusing. Yes. As in literally, you'll see that word and some people will just go, I don't know what that means. No. And then go, and then you've lost them. Yeah. Which is a shame. Uh, but it's also true. Um, you're right. The actual deadline for doing the research is, oh, Stephanie needs a script. Jamie needs a script. Exactly, yeah. And it's that second, oh, I'll write it now. And you, you're always fine because basically, as you say, it's a 20-page story. Yes. Or 20, 25-page story. Um, a lot of it's just like me exploring and playing with the ideas. And it's part of the concept of research. And this is a fun thing. Mm. The research is the chance to think about the topic. Yes. So it's not necessarily you're looking for research. So to crystallise what you want to do, basically. Exactly. And same with Die. The fact we had like two years developing of Die before really... I'm still researching it now. Mm. And that makes me to chew over Die in a very, you know, ruminate. I felt like a cow chewing over stuff. There's a bit of that. I mean, like, I, issue eight of Die I've got to write pretty much immediately. And I'm not happy with the amount. I, I still have some research to do. Really? Up to level, I may push some of the story to issue nine to give myself another month. Um, but yeah, it is always, artist needs a script. I mean, that's kind of the, um, 
I see Alan Moore rule. Main motivator. Yeah. In that, you know, if I cannot give this person a script, they cannot earn money. No. You know what I mean? That's kind of the only, all my pretensions don't really matter compared to like, people got to eat. But I mean, I mean, the weird thing is that fantasy and sci-fi, despite the huge success of things like Game of Thrones, obviously had Lord of the Rings a few years ago, and also sci-fi as well, there still seemed to be a, a kind of a snobbery. There was, you probably heard the thing about the Ian McEwan interview talking yeah. about his new novel, his <laughs> sci-fi, because no one's written a sci-fi novel before. Um, and it's this weird thing that, you know, that Game of Thrones is arguably one of the most successful TV shows, series of all time. Lord of the Rings made tons of money, and there were all these things, Potter was huge, and yet there's still this sort of literary snobbery that this stuff isn't seen, someone like Bradbury isn't seen like a proper writer, even though these people, you know, they, they were genius. There's still that thing, there's still the thing, you know, that the rest of the world seems to find hard to get over. And I, I, I would say, I liter- <laughs> how to phrase this? Literary uh, fiction is not the rest of the world. No, 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 of course. I was like, we're sitting in these chairs right now. This feels more like literary fiction. You know what I mean? Like, we're sitting in our big plus chairs. This isn't the real world. No, no. So, like, Ian McEwen sitting in this chair talking about. In this rarefied atmosphere. I'm more like, I'm more worried about us arguing against. McEwen can say it, and it's so obviously dumb. Yeah, Like, the idea that it derails us for like mm. multiple weeks talking about him, that's what worries me. As in like, we should be able to... Just, we're, you know, we're devoting I, too much time exactly. to something who, who which literally, is... Who literally, who literally cares? cares? You're an yes. idiot. You know, it's like, he's like, right, right, love, but that kind of like, oh no, you're just wrong. And that's and the, the ability to just go, you're just wrong. It's a very naive thing to say, you would have mm. thought, because you would have thought he'd be savvy enough to go, you know, this is, there are industries mm. built on these people's work and, you know, they've, and they've, you know, they've been around for years and they've done some amazing things. So just, you know, don't say that. Or just yeah. Shut up. Or I mean, or they've, they've been saying that forever, and it's like, oh, know, like of you know what I mean? And that's why it doesn't quote unquote bother me as much. In that kind of like, yes, we've heard this song before. We all know how this goes. Yes. Uh, it's a waste of my time to even engage with it. Does that make sense? Of course, no. That's a fair comment. Mm. Um, so I mean, this die has obviously been a huge success. Going back, I mean, I'm sure it's something that you try not to take too much notice of because it can be quite distracting. Because you know, you're there to write with with Stephanie, and you're there to create a series, but does it ever become distracting? You go, oh God, no! So issue three's gone back to press five times now, and issue two's gone back. I can't, I can't even keep track now. But does it ever get distracting? Yes. Um, there's a, tell you what, this is literally. I was saying this to someone earlier, and this kind of this is the least sympathetic. Oh my, my money shoes are too tight kind of story. <laughs> but they're kind of like, oh no, it's Thursday night, and we've just got to work out another cover before tomorrow. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. This is like, but yeah, it sold another thirty thousand copies or whatever, and we have to do another printing. And... I wish. Uh, it just. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is that level of, oh no, you don't object to it, because no. it's definitely better than the other, I mean, I've been in books that have sold nothing as well, but they're kind of, yeah, it does that, especially the, how quickly it has to be done. Yes. And it's certainly distracting for Stephanie. This is one of the most interesting things. Me and Jamie, of course, worked as this team forever. Mm. It was like my comic's wife, and Stephanie has never really done stuff outside work for her before. No. And I mean, she's done, like, you've got to go back to it though. Uh, and she's never she ran her own book before and she's never done an ongoing book so it feels strange for her presumably yeah so I'm like she, she, she's going with her comics dad really? and like you know that says a lot about the different like because I have to basically spend a lot of time explaining to Stephanie what's going on and stuff yes. and like it seems like you sort of tell with the fact that the original like alt covers yes. have been done were incredibly intricate and the later ones are kind of like just some tweaks and that's because I told Stephanie just do some tweaks it's okay yes. but she's very proud because she wants to do covers yes. but at the same time now we've gone to fifth one it's like she can't you know Having, a, having to basically Another take... Another incredibly complex image that takes yeah. weeks to draw. No, no, it takes her a day because she's, oh, she she, she's fast oh, when okay. she wants to do a cover. But that kind of... 
the real that, that takes out a rhythm. Yes. So yeah, that's like there is a problem with that, but that's purely practical. Yes. And like and that's kind of like and you work your way around and it's fun. I mean, seeing like it's very hard to tell Stephanie. A, I can't tell her any because she's a partner. But B, it's very hard to talk around of doing a, a beautiful picture when the picture is so beautiful. No, it's exactly. so why did you make this wonderful thing? Um, you know, it's amazing. Honestly, her working with her is really interesting. In a kind of like Jamie's quite Jamie's even colder than I am. I'm like the passionate one in the team. I yes. think. Not, I mean, cold is the wrong word. Jamie's I describe him like um, the world's greatest music producer. He's all kind about of slightly detached yeah. in a good way. You know, yeah, he, he, he's everything's perfect with Jamie. As yes. he lines and he works out yes. structures and he really small things which mm. I would not bother me bother him enormously. Yes. Um, conversely, Stephanie is I, the metaphor I always use the ocean, as in she's very powerful and tempestuous and she goes the way she wants to. Yes. Uh, and that kind of like is me and Jamie is like this. It becomes all about graphs and like very precision. And with Stephanie is. I'm, it's a tissue of her. She's this big, impressionistic, grand, operatic painter. And um, I, I sort of drill, I give her a lot of ideas. Mm. She comes back with a lot more. She's like really invents a lot on the page. Um, and I, in the storytelling, I kind of, this is the key stuff we need. These are the key beats. Everything else is goes. And then I kind of like work around work. So you most die is much more captioning mm. than Wicked is. And it's partially more captioning because Stephanie is doing more of the impressionistic stuff. Whilst yes. I'm doing more of the, the kind of like, basic storytelling. I mean, so that's, that applies, you know, as a, yes. you know, but it's a different sort of relationship between the two of us, which is so much fun because you kind of like, the last thing I wanted to do was like Wicked again. You know, that was yes. especially with Die. I wanted to do something with, um, not, not pop music. <laughs> um, the, uh, characters at least as old as I was that yes. was like I've, I know the weirdness of how I got into writing teenagers for like 10 years that was not what I planned you know yeah, what I mean it that just was, happened just yeah, fell into it it was like literally opportunity like I didn't you know phonogram was really about for you know, late 20s really yes. there was a handful of teenagers in the second arc we did um, Kid Loki Matt Fraction made Kid Loki yeah. so like I was planning to do a Loki book so yes. I suddenly got Kid Loki. And got Young Avengers. Yes, we asked to do... Well. I didn't ask to do... You know, no, no, no. A- a- Axel came to me saying, do you want to do Young Avengers? And I said, no. Uh, well, just because I don't think I've any... Young Avengers is a great book, but a very different book to what I was doing. Yes. And he said, think about it. And I found a way to make myself care. Uh, and we did Young Avengers, which obviously was, you know, a book people liked. Then, of course, spinning off that, it's like, okay, I guess we do something like our own thing, which builds from the work we're doing on Young Avengers. So there was yet more young people. And that's suddenly, like, literally... 10 years of my life mm. and it wasn't planned as such so I knew that I, I didn't want to be trapped there forever so they didn't offer you young Thor then I mean, they're they're trust, trust, they've offered me all manner of I mean yes. I've said no to like I've, I say no to everything at the moment but I've definitely said no to a lot of teenage books yes. just for the simple reason I don't want to just be that I mean, the trust, teenage guy yeah I mean especially this you know people asking especially the kind of teenage books I do yes um, so I said cats at least as old as I am and also a completely different way of writing I wanted it to be slightly more difficult mm. I wanted it to be more um, more complicated character it's sort of telling that Wickdiv has like a cast of 13, 14 and Di is a cast of 6 yes by definition I'll be spending more time with those characters and I'll be tighter on them um, and I'm stripping away a lot of my pret- uh, wankiness is the word I'm, but oh, I don't like the word potential no. but like right. the performance yes. you know like wanky I much prefer to you know wanky okay. is honest potential yes. potential I hate is one of my least favourite words it's like potential implies you're lying yes. you know like no that's just how I am I'm yes. wanky I'm, you know wanky's honest I really am <laughs> I am wanky listen to me um, uh, where was I yeah yeah it's honest like put the, my biography um, but yeah I so like trying to like be 
try you know and also write about stuff I've never written about before yes. and I mean not just the topics but also like some of the, like the emotions some of the sexuality stuff uh, and all those kind of like themes I wanted to hit up as well so yeah so die die is it a mini series or is it an ongoing series ongoing it's ongoing it's like it's what like Wick did though like we need I know the end of die now so it is going to be quite a long series but I, I my traditional answer is about half the length of Wick did so, like so it's 24 it's, issues or yeah, something yeah that's like, like 20, 24. I mean, of course, the issues are longer. Like, dies 25 pages. So it's longer page count than Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway. So, you know. And of course, I think Die is different from Wick Div, and there's no chance for a sequel to Wick Div because it literally has an ending you can't go past. Yes. Uh, whilst Die is like. I was like, oh. So my. you could do more. Yeah, I could go back. You could go, go back. To, I sort of got the. Actually, I'm not going to say that. Like, ask me afterwards because it's, right. like, it's such a good idea. Not a good <laughs> idea. It's such a me idea. But um, I may, I don't want to spoil it for you people. Call it Die Another Day. Oh, very good. Die Hard 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that. So you're also, as well as that, which I've taken a lot of time, you're, you're still doing work for Marvel currently. Just like I've handed in my... Actually, the last page from my Star Wars came in this week. Oh, as really? an angel handed it in. So, so I, you have actually finished now. Yeah, I finished like about a month ago. Uh, and that's my last work for Marvel. Actually, I, I've, I've done... I did a, one more thing for them, which is like a very short thing. Mm. And at the moment, I've got no Marvel work. As in, you know, I've said no to everything. I just don't. I'm not. I don't want to do any work for her at the moment. So you're working on. What else are you working on? Well, uh, also finishing this week was Thunderbolt from uh, Dynamite, which um, that must have been a fun series to. It was hilarious. Write. It's been so much. I mean, I desperately want to work with the team again. They're just this. They're my favourite. Immediately, this feels like a team in the same way that Young Avengers felt like a team. So I need to work out, can we stay together somehow? But uh, that's really fun. The ending is smart and weird and horrible and cute. They've, Casper and Hassan and Mary have done amazing things. Um, I'm also, so that's going, you know, that'll be in a trade soonish. I'm doing a book at, over at a Boom uh, with Dan Motter. Oh, that's in the King Arthur book. Yeah, that's fantastic. Once and Future. Yes, I, I'll show you some of the ink in my Love pockets. Love to see it. Uh, show, lean over here and just yeah, show you now. Oh, that's like, great, yeah. Um, uh, it looks like a. Yeah, the Arthur a, thing is, is interesting. There seems to be. I mean, I've been rereading Hellboy, and obviously there's an Arthurian connection there. And you had the. I didn't see the film, The you know, Once Future Kid, but I heard it was pretty good. And it's interesting that the Arthurian. I guess we'll t we can talk about that. It seems like King Arthur is still. This is, it still connects with people. This, this ancient myth. Yeah. It's still. I mean, any, any. Why do you think that is? Is it? Is it the universality of it, or what's the reason? What was the name of the Monmouth book? Uh, you know the. Uh, yeah, the history of Britain. Like there was, there was, there's an, oh, it's one after that. Then I forget. There's a of, of the nature of Britain or something like that. I, Possibly. I forget. The same one that Arthur's mentioning, King Lear's mentioning as well. So that's the only one I ever remember reading. Yeah, but um, yes, basically there is a kind of a fundamental, not fundamental. There's a dialogue with the nature of Britain mm. uh, and Englishness and all these kind of different ideas in there, which is interesting. I mean, like I tell you, this is the, the weirdest thing. Being me, I've done the research. And I don't any the story idea I'm doing. Yes. I don't think anyone's done. Really. And that's weird. Like, mm. you know, as in that's kind of like because Arthur's such a well mind subject. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like it's such a basic idea, and you kind of it's revealed in the first issue, mm. and it's that kind of like, oh right, yeah, I don't think anyone's done this, which is fun. I think this is like part of doing Once and Future is I want to do all my work for hire books are nightmarishly. "Quote unquote hard, yes. like Wick Div and Die are these clearly like hard work wrestling with God kind of things, and I net like and my work for hire cannot quite often be fun. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes. like something like Doctor Afro is emotional and pop, but it's clearly meant to be fun. Yes, uh, and I, I'm sort of coming out. Why do you never do fun stuff for yourself? And it, and it does make me wonder. So it's this is like, an opportunity for you to. The, that was, that Dan Motter, who is uh, trust me, like his work on Klaus has been amazing always. Yes. But I think this is on another level. This is another step up from him. He's such an incredibly state of the art, energetic storyteller. Um, 
So this is the kind of thing, it feels like um, the action movie on paper of it all. Mm. And it's like, oh, the basic concept of Once and Future is about a grandmother, grandson, like monster hunting team against the backdrop of the Arthurian mythos. She had no idea, she's, and the boy, the grandson, Duncan, has no idea that his grand was a monster hunter. Mm. And because monsters have all disappeared. There's a line in the first issue, which is pretty much, he finds a weapon that she got. What's this for? Oh, you, it's for hunting vampires. What are they? Yeah. You, wait, you well, hunted vampires? Yeah. yeah, I hunted vampires. What happened? I ran out of vampires. And that's grand. You know, she's been retired forever because literally there's not monsters anymore. And like, monsters are coming back and that's kind of where the story kicks off. It's kind of like Buffy meets King Arthur. It is, like Buffy, if Buffy retired in okay. that way. And like, Buffy in 50 years time with her grandson who doesn't know anything about this. And he's, that's right, the, the book's, the fundamental moment of the book and it happens a lot is grand being utterly phlegmatic about something whilst her son goes, <laughs> like this uh, out of horror so it's good what, fun so, so, so much what, fun so why boom they asked me they did ask you okay. <laughs> well, fair enough it was one of the situations where they came to me with um, a compelling deal uh, a compelling infrastructure and uh, damn as in you know he's a great artist exactly, it's, no it's like kind of here is an entirely reliable brilliant artist yes. and lot of support because with my time I mean my natural is always do an image book yes but um, I have not not I have not got the mental headspace to do another image book. As in, because image books involve a lot more organisation. Yes. There's stuff which you have to do which you don't do on other books. Yes. So the idea of actually having someone being... And also, I've never worked with them. Oh, at Line, I've worked with them once, like, but in 2008. So a long time ago. Yeah, and, very, and I was a very different writer then. So the idea of, like... And I really like a lot of the, the moves Boom does in the industry. I mean, also, yes. when, how they announce Once in Future and then what they're saying, offering to retailers yes. and their relationship with them, that's all really exciting. So mm-hmm. it's like, this sounds like a fun... This sounds like a, a fun and easy way to do a book, mm. uh, which I'll enjoy. And, if, and I've messed up anyway, because I've always... I've done too much research again. Yeah. It's like I was reading entire comparative histories of Arthur. Like, not, not, really. even, not even reading the legends. I'm reading the... Criticism around About legends, it. you know, yes. which is such a me thing to do. Are you, an, are you I mean, is Arthurian stuff, is it something that interested you prior to them coming to you? Not to the, le- yeah, a bit. I mean, I, this is an, actually, this is an idea, the core idea of, like, Once and Future is something I've had for quite a while. Yes. It was that kind of, they, like, you, you know, any writer, they've got all their kind of ideas they may do one day. That was in my idea I may the do. Box tricks that yeah, you yeah. end up. So it's like, this is like, I was thinking about how can you do, oh, I can't, actually, I can't tell you that, that'll spoil the story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I was I, obviously you've been a professional writer now for as a not a journalist, but I mean a fiction writer for twenty. Is it twenty years? No, not twenty. I Fifteen, sixteen. I think but I did. I sold my first story to Games Workshop in two thousand and three, but I didn't actually get work. Um, I did. But then there was no say two thousand and three because I was doing like comic yeah. strips, for like magazines. Yeah, yeah. But like I'd only really count my career starting properly with phonograms. Mm. So that's two thousand and six. But now you see yourself, you know, old as an well as a as a, a writer rather than as a journalist. After fifteen, sixteen years, yeah, I tell you what, actually, I found myself the idea. I've been full time. Like I was being the kind of like two thousand six to two thousand ten was a kind of like liminal state. Yeah, I was definitely like a dual class writer critic kind of person. Whilst the last ten years, like since two thousand ten, yes, I've been a. Full time. I, I, I've just been a comic writer, yes. and incre- like, and I haven't really done any serious criticism since about 2012. Um, and part of me is like, oh, I need to change up my gears a bit again because I'm mm. aware. I look at my career and I basically have eight year gaps in stuff. Really. And then try something. Then you can see me segueing into something else. But you still run the blog, don't you? RPS? No, no. No, we sold RPS a while ago. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I said, I've stopped writing it. Last time I, I left in 2010, 
uh, and I stopped writing for about 2012 because I stopped playing video games. Um, uh, just Do you miss a bit working on that because it's the idea of having like an online diary a little? Because it's, it was, like, it's looking into your headspace, wasn't it? And it was talking about how you approach... Yeah. I mean, also, I keep my, sorry, my work blog. Actually, my work yeah, blog's so down blog now. work blog is one I was thinking of. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. But so my, well, news, but... I actually, my newsletter is kind of what I do now. So yes. like, I do this weekly newsletter and that's really a chance for me to do like weekly pieces of writing. That's because I'm sorry. The worst thing about being a full-time comic writer is I'm aware my prose has atrophied considerably because you haven't worked that muscle in a while. Yeah, yeah. As in, like, probably so much of my writing is not done for people to see. It's, yeah. it's done for other artists and writers. Yes. And, you know. So I'm writing about story rather than writing story. Mm. Uh, so at least part of the reasons why I've done a few more short stories in the last few years for like people have asked me and I've jumped on them. And we did the Wikdiv issue, which was a half prose, half art. Yes. Uh, and this newsletter. So a lot of what I'm doing is trying to get my prose back up to gear because okay. you know, what well, you know. The novel is inevitable. Um, is it coming? Nah. At some I, point. At some, like, it's definitely I'm flirting with the idea. And if yes. I'm flirting with the idea, that implies I'll be thinking about doing it in two years' time. That kind of thing. That's, you know, I might you heard be, that first. I might, be, I might be crap at it, is the thing. It's that kind of, I, I want to do some work and see what I can do and yes. actually think. So, I mean, I guess, is it one of these things where you, you sort of, the work that you do most recently, you sort of, well, I mean, how do you feel about the work that you do most recently? Is, is, it, ambiv- is it ambivalence? I, I, you know, once you've turned it in, is it one of those things you either really hate what you've done recently or it's something you think that I can stand up and say that this is one of the best things I've done in this particular field? I mean, what, what is your attitude towards your work? I mean, so I'm going with former Muhammad Ali here. And, you know, I'm the greatest of all time. No, um, it's complicated. Like, occasionally, you, you have, like, complicated feelings about all your work. Like, even the good stuff, you kind of, um, you know, you can, I can pick out panels and go, I wish I hadn't done that. Mm. But... It must be at the moment. I'm in the worrying position of actually being very happy with everything that's coming out. Like um, even the, which is rare. I can't think of a time in my career I've been as happy with the work, and it isn't perfect. But in terms of like between Die and Wicked and Thunderbolt, yes, uh, I think these are really these are strong. These are the sort of books I want to be writing. That's what yes. I mean. It's, it's not even whether it's good or bad or not. It's like these are the kind of stuff I want to be doing at this precise moment. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, and once in future being a different sort of thing as well. Mm. Uh, and Ludocrats is actually going to happen. Uh, I, I don't want to announce the new artist yet, but okay. we've had to change it. Oh, uh, fine. Okay. But um, that will actually happening, which will be a miracle. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, people keep on talking to me, and I just feel in a very worryingly blessed place, as in like, I have not been as. You think hap- something's going to happen. Yeah, but at the same time, this is actually the downside of it: is that I feel like I am. Um, I'm at risk. I feel I see this. This. I've been doing this long enough that I feel I'm somehow got a bit sloppy. Do you feel like someone's going to be that long to replace you? No, no, not, not, not literally. But no, I mean, no, no, no. Literally, it's comics. Well, yes, but the. Um, I feel like I've been doing this long enough that I can write, I can do stuff without planning as much. Yes. And this is actually one of the things, have you ever read Alan Moore's essays on comics? Yes. And it's like, he writes his first four, which is him, Circle Watchman. Mm. And the last one he wrote, like, early noughties. And it's basically, these, he, look, these are reasonably, reasonably, reasonably <laughs> uh, you know, usable thoughts for, like, someone early in their career. Yes. But he's like, no, the real thing is, like, when you've actually done all your early goals, yes. when you've actually done everything, how can you stay interested? And that's the thing that worries me, as in, like, I can, I'm aware that I can write a script off the top of my head and it would be better than most people. Mm. And that's depressing because that is like a temptation of you could. You mean you could just kind of take the easy option yeah, yeah. for certain things to go, you know, I know I can do this. I don't do quite as much research as I would have done. Oh, not even the research. It's like the research just is something I like. But it's just writing. the writing. A bit, and there's bits I was aware that you should have, you know, there's been a couple of... There's been a couple of things in scripts recently where I've saved it, as in, like, I made a mistake at the scripting stage. Yes. And I've realised later, 
and I've solved the problem by a few scripts, like dialogue tweaks, yes. and no one will ever, ever know, but I know but I you did. know. But I wouldn't have messed... No. Like, five years ago, I wouldn't have done that. Mm. And that worries me. Should yeah. writing be hard, then? Uh, Physically say and mentally? I'm not saying it's hard. I just think I should... Like, if it's precise, it's precise. It's like, what did you miss? And that's the thing that's bugging me. And that's actually the thing why I'm thinking I need to start get out of comics for a while. Is that the, um, the fact if I'm starting to be even a little sloppy at times, it, I, that can only get worse. Mm. Um, which is at least one of the reasons why I want, I'm doing stuff which is challenging for me. Mm. Um, I know. I, I'm not my worst critic, because frankly, I've read 4chan. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm pretty hard on myself. Yes. But it's, it's hard, I'm saying that's the really, that's confusing thing I'm making writers. I'm as happy as... Mixed my, signals, all these yeah. mixed signals. I, I'm as ha- happy as I've ever been with my work. Mm. Uh, at the same time, I can't but see what, why that ship's about to sink. Yes. You know, um, yes. Satisfaction is not something that easily happens to me. No. Okay, I'm going to open it up to questions. So um, we'll start with, with Alex. Yeah. I was just going to as a former critic, how do you respond to criticism or review of your work, do you appreciate it, do you, do you read it, or do you let it just kind of slide off your back and it's nothing compared to the criticism that you've given yourself? Well, I, I just calmly look at, uh, find the mark, uh, if it's low I write the name down on my, on my special list and plan revenge. Um, no, sorry, it's my, one of my... Voodoo li- doll? Yeah. No, they're not worth a voodoo doll. Just a bullet. Or maybe a Funko. Uh, you can have a Funko with the head of um, certain yeah. people you can... <laughs> Funkos are expensive. Uh, no, jokey, really jokey aside, because I'm like... Mo- I think many creators have never been critics. Therefore, most creators have no... A lot of creators seem to have no understanding why people do criticism. As in, they fundamentally disrespect critics for existing. And I've never been that. Um... I've also been aware that there's quite a lot of people in other art forms. Some of the people who are actually hardest on critics were ex-critics themselves. And the problem, of course, as somebody who is, you know, because if you know how the sausage is made, you can see what people are doing. And when, they, when there's someone who's quote-unquote wrong, uh, and the thing is, there are things times when I, I'll come back to it in a second. Uh, so, and they're like, I mean, was it? Chrissy Hine used to beat up journalists, didn't she? That kind of like, Chrissy Hine used to be a critic. You know, that kind of... That Tony Iommi, didn't he beat yeah. up... Um, but there's all manner of this kind of... things, yeah. There's like, and I would never want to be... There was like, I don't want to be that person. Mm. Uh, so I spend a lot of time, like, being careful with my interaction with critics. And I'm quite encouraging. I occasionally feel, like, um, quite parental to some... Especially young critics. Like, when they're... In, especially if someone's interviewing me. It's that kind of, like, okay, you're making sure they've got their tape working. And, like, just, like... I feel like I'm trying to help them through and be better because I've known how hard that job... Nothing is, I've done the job and I've done the job for no money, like when you have the real fan press. So you're trying to like make it as easy as possible. But there's like, there's also the fact that I... There's no way to sound like, say this without sounding like a complete like monster, but I'm a better critic than most of the people who write about me. So when I read their criticism, I know what they're making. As in, it's not like I read their argument and see their argument. I see, oh, you're, you're doing this argument, which is a tradition. Therefore... I know why you have not thought about this top. Okay, quite often they're right. You know what I mean? As in, like, when I see someone who's right, okay, that's, inte- that's intellectually coherent. You know, yes, you're not my, my side, but that's, that's great. And occasionally you get stuff, no, no, you're being a bit cowardly. You're using this very, this, this trick, which I know because I've used it, uh, to hide the fact, like, I mean, the class, and a classic and minor thing a critic does is sort of be dismissive to the work without actually saying a work it prefers. Sort of words that kind of like oh this is a this is a poor example of this the genre of superhero comics without really staking your master so what is a good example then you know what I mean really base really basic stuff like that and I see that and they're transparent to me so there's definitely critics I have absolutely no time for 
and I wish I could pick fights because I love arguing about not about my, not even about my work, just work. But I can't do that. You know, I just don't get to do that anymore, which is sad. Um, does that answer the question? I mean, I've, mostly I like. I really try to encourage people, and I, I know it's hard. Um, but I do have very high standards of criticism because it's like I was a critic for like fifteen years, and you know, we know how little money we get. So like, you don't do it for anything other than love. <laughs> Uh, so, like, when I see someone not being good, yes. it does annoy me. As I say, I figured you, you, because you're quite self-aware about both your previous career and, yeah, the work you did, you kind of see that, yeah, you, 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 have, you are your own critic as well. Uh, it's complex. I mean, like, and I love, I love seeing people write. Even, like, I love seeing people genuinely engage with the work. Yeah. Like, I'd have... Uh, you know, in whatever way they engage, and whether it's fan mm. art or like doing their own stories, or like literally writing big essays, thinking about what this has meant to them, that's absolutely because I'm somebody whose life was transformed by art, you know, and all the art they've consumed. A lot of my work is about how art has changed me. So seeing people basically metabolize stuff I've done in the same way is literally as good as it gets. The idea that people, you know, I know what it means to care about art and see someone else care about my stuff that much, that's like magical. Um, Has anyone come to your house to no. talk to you about weekday of outside? Uh, I managed to avoid it actually. But, uh, <laughs> it's sorry. a serious question. No, I managed to like. Uh, no, so far no one has. Please don't. Uh, but um, I've definitely. I have. Cr- I have people crying at cons quite regularly. You know, it's what, like we come up and cry yeah, to yeah. you. Well, I mean, they said they just read the latest issue. And no, not not affected, not, not, not affected, I think like this. This book has meant so much to me. Yeah. And that kind of like that, you see that. Like, I know I've got friends. That must who are, be quite odd. Yes. I as mean, a writer, to think that your work has actually physically affected or emotionally affected people reading it yeah it's odd but at the same time as I was just saying in the, um, the fact that I'm somebody who feels like that about art mm. so when someone does that I get it because yes. I, I, I've never gone up to someone and cried at them but I've certainly cried in my bedroom over how amazing a Kanicki album was you know that kind of that so I understand that's holy mm. in that way so I, we, me and we have a, it happens regularly enough to have a sort of drill as in you kind of go into a want, want to support people mode, make sure they're okay because <laughs> yes. this, this isn't about you this is about them yes. this is about their, something they have felt to, to do with the work you know so that's what it's about but I always remember that. Yeah, it's pa- like so. It's like passing on because you got your, you kind of got your passion from. Mm. I mean, everyone knows that obviously Warren Ellis was very supportive towards you, and he gave you a, a lot of help. And so it's kind of is it like passing things on a bit in I mean, a way? You just want to like yes, absolutely, and all of that. But also, you're aware that if someone comes up to you and it was in, in that mood, you by have the a way, bad experience or something. Yeah, and, imagine if I was awful to them. Yeah. You know, it, say, it would it would yeah, completely yeah. traumatize them. Yeah, I would say potentially. Like, potentially, you know, you potentially. Know, I mean, obviously, you, not, you, you don't want to make certain. yourself too powerful, but no, like, no, kind of, of you don't want to like ruin the book for them. Yeah. Um, so one of the my favorite uh, my favorite criticism ones really early on, somebody reviewed Phonogram, the first one, mm. uh, and they made the uh, it was like a mid level blogger at the time, and I, I really liked this one because it was it was really negative, and he said <laughs> I basically I really like. Um, I like lowbrow comics. Yes. You know, I like Paul Paksha. Mm. I like big explosion superheroes. And I like really highbrow art, you know, highbrow mm. like fantagraphic-y kind of stuff. Yes. What I hate, you know, sort of the middlebrow box books, which are kind of like semi-genre but quote unquote smart, utterly despicable. And this is literally the most. Um, this is the most like of that kind of book I've ever read in my life. Uh, and I was so delighted because, like, yes, That's my, the point. my entire point is I'm burning down your entire aesthetic structure. You are my enemy. I want you to hate me. And, uh, you know, that kind of like, oh, no, you, you're, all your ideas about art are wrong. And I want to fight you. And that's what my work is for. That, I mean, that's, when a critic hates you like that, that's right. Because, you know, mm. not all critical beliefs are into, you know, can actually yeah, we, exist. We got slated by the Comics Journal. <laughs> and they used the word trifecta. It was very pretentious. It was quite funny. Yeah. I, mean, I wish I could find it. Yeah. I wish I could meet the guy and go, yes, this is, uh, would you like to go for some trifecta of lunch? Um, <laughs> it really was 
I mean, it was a kind of, you know, there's like, people talk about like Ultimate Garden, this was Ultimate Comics Journal, this was... Comics like, Journal got a Comics Journal, that's the thing. Well, yeah, pretty much. I was kind of quite, quite flat, I thought yeah. this is quite funny that they've noticed us. And, but. Any other questions, Ollie? So that was a long answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be a quick answer. No. Um, <laughs> it's Kieran, don't forget. Is it annoying when Dynamite decide for their own reasons to work with... Um, Ethan Van Sciver and then people say, so I'm going to boycott Thunderbolt. Or is it stupid because they don't realise it's five issues long? No, I think people people can do whatever they... I kind of absolutely support people's... <clears throat> I, so I've generally... That big long rant has made me actually lose my voice, which is a bad time to lose my voice. Uh, I think people can choose to, you know, stop spending their money however they feel like from any publisher they like. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's... Kind of vote with their feet, basically. You know, yeah. I mean, like, I, I completely get that. And, you know, I am not, you know... I, I am sympathetic to that position. Yes. It's like, you know, I'm not happy about it either. That, I mean, they've been very quiet on it, haven't they? Mm. Um, What's he talking about the... Yeah, I'm talking about that. The thing. Caesar Van or whatever he wants Oh, him. You're talking about what he said to the guy. No, is this... Side frog crap that he's doing with but the man is just... We're not going to get started on him. Yeah, that's like... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. There's, tell a, there's, there's been a thing online. I said, okay, fine. Yeah, okay. it's not. You know, I think that's absolutely fine. I just say it's only five issues. I mean, yeah. we we've actually as I said we finished it. Uh, so like, we, it all broke like after we had like finished everything and we had no idea about it until it was online. Um, so yeah, like it makes sense. I mean, because people are upset. What else yeah, are they going to yeah. say? Mm. I mean, I you know I get it. I mean, is it hard to separate the art from the artist? You think sometimes? I think that is an that is a question so large that no, I we need five hours to talk about. I was about it. to say I'm you, sorry. you've said. Do you, I'm how, sorry. how do you feel about critics? If, you actually, exactly. if you're asking me a serious question, I'm sorry. it's hot. No, it's. Because it's so, it's so difficult sometimes, isn't it? It is, and it's one that's like, I must... I think um, these... I'm trying, is there any even short answer I can do? It's complicated. Yes. Like, I think there are things... No, I know, it's incredibly, it's incredibly complicated question. And it's, it's like, these are lines you have to navigate by yourself. Uh, and you set your own lines and go, right, this is the line in the sand for me. Yeah. And this is how I'm going to... I'm sort of like, if he's aligning himself so particularly with a particular... I think in that instance, it's very difficult. Well, that's difficult. In the same way as you're not going to be able to separate <laughs> Hitler from Mein Kampf, and rightfully so. But I think there's certain examples where people are so entrenched. Yes. I mean, his whole persona online... Yes, oh, I know. It's know, all part of his work. Yeah. And it's impossible, as you say, to separate one from the other. Sorry. Sorry, no, no, no. It's, it is a big question. Um, and one more question. We've got time for one more. Gentleman at the back. Maybe I'm, I'm like hypercritical. That, that's kind of like it's really hard to say, and it just feels it's, it's it's a feeling. As in, like some of the errors are like that's not a good error. To, that's kind of like you wanted to get this script out because an artist needed it, and you could have like if you'd actually spent a little bit longer, you would have got this. You're right. I think you're right. As in, it's kind of like. Yeah, I mean, you, you just don't know. That's the thing, it's like, this is my natural weakness as a human, one of my many weaknesses as a human being is, anytime I think something good, I immediately try to think, why is that wrong? So, like, I immediately want to find the reason why me acting in a good way to somebody actually is evil. You know, that kind of, like, I've got a very cynical understanding of all human interaction, and that's nonsense, because humans aren't like that. You can actually, you know, so you're right, I should question myself more. <laughs> uh, I, should, I, should question my, I should question my desire to question myself more. But, you know, the fact I fixed it does say something. You know, and that's, kind of, and that's kind of the scary thing, like, the idea that you've done it. I mean, this is the thing about, like, Wikdiv. The scariest thing about Wikdiv is that we pulled it off. 
You know, we like, I, in many ways... Like, it's like usual suspects. Yeah, it's a bit like an, the Anank of me. And that all the characters are me, but Anank is, is me as well. You know, Anank is this creature who's manipulating these people. And I've made all these people think exactly what I wanted to for five years. So I am Anank, and Anank is a monster. You know, like, all these kind of things are in there, uh, I guess. And that's why all the characters, you have, you know, all the, char- the positive characters too. I'm quite interested in asking genuinely honest questions of yourself and seeing if you find an answer or not, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'm. I think we're going to wrap things up. Thanks to Kieran. Thanks for everyone coming. Thank you. Thank you. Excuse me. Thanks for doing that. Okay, I hope that, I hope that went all right. That was good.